Spider-Man 3! Action Command Spider-Man! It's your move. Full function remote control lets you send instant commands or program a series of actions and watch Spider-Man perform the action sequence. Easy to use with over 1,000 possible action combos. Whoa, I love web slinging. Thwipped. Fast spinning action. Spins and moves quickly in any direction with voice and sounds. Full function remote control. Control Spider-Man's movements with dual joysticks or press any pre-programmed action command button. Marvel Spider-Man, think way toys. Actual height, 14 inches. As seen on TV. Columbia Pictures. Welcome to your listener to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The random, banterful, random banter time, buddy. Talk to me, tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. Oh, that's called Oh Yeah by Mellow Yellow? Just yellow, but correct. Just mellow, right. Yeah, yeah. yellow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and why? Why would I pick that for a random banter intro? Well, because we are doing a thing here. Each one of these issues of this The Loners miniseries, the covers are a different John Hughes movie. And I have a feeling we are going to be doing this for each one. This one... <laughs> you might be correct. <laughs> this one is a pastiche of, and I'm going to use that word a lot, <laughs> of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We have our good friend Ricochet sitting there with his hands behind his head, looking down, wearing his mask, and his hair is all out, and it, it's Matthew Broderick from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, it very much is. It yeah. is. That's even one I can pick up on, and I'm an ignorant fool. We know this. We know this. I'm at, how are you doing, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing okay. Hey, can we go back to some Power Pack member talk for a minute? Sure. Okay, so... I have a four and a half going on five-year-old. Okay. And because of that, I'm finding both Franklin and Katie to be very poorly written. Because <laughs> at no point are they talking about pee and poop all the time about everything and making songs about it. It is not their massive focus of uh, conversational topics. So these kids just got nothing on reality anymore. <laughs> I'm highly disappointed. I don't blame the children. I blame the parent. <laughs> You leave, you, oh, you, what, oh, you leave Marg and or Jim and especially Wheezy out of this. I'm, I, I'm, I'm talking about you, my friend. I'm talking about you. A gasp, a gasp. Uh, uh, uh. Didn't, didn't have that problem with my child. No. Uh, my child was, um, I mean, I'm not going to say that she was talking at the Katie power level, mind you, but at five years old, but no, no. 
No, didn't didn't have that problem, my friend. It's been going on for so long. It's just all it's just hilarious to her. It's just it's just you know it's kind of what you're dealing with kids. So it's I understand it because. Hey, you're doing potty training. Hey, a big focus on, you know, get out of the diapers and get trained up and everything. And so there's lots of opportunities to do it. But man, is it just a repetitive com- conversation topic in the house. <laughs> and she just laughs and laughs and laughs about it. So, you know, if your mom ever comes and moves back in with you mm-hmm. and, and she starts going through her own incontinence thing, you can have them both talking about it. Yeah, I'll just pawn them off on each other. It'll be great. <laughs> I don't know. That was mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. So besides that, mm-hmm. besides your lovely things that you're going through <laughs> right now in life, I'm just going to really quickly mention that last Friday night, because we're kind of coming out of this, you know, we're, we're starting to get back to normal life and everything. A little bit. I've been meaning to reach out and go see a friend of the show. He's been on the show, but I've been meaning to go out and see Hub from Tighten Up the Defense. Hey, love so Hub. I went over, went over to his house and brought over a bottle of really good rum. Ooh. And we sat there and talked for a couple hours. And it nice. was quite enjoyable. I had a great time just hanging out with him. And it was nice to get back into that thing where you see people and you do things with them. And you hang out and talk about stuff. Yeah, so. that I'm excited to get back to that stage. We still have somebody who's sub five, so she can't get vaccinated. So we kind of have to live a little more protected just for her sake. So yeah, yeah. I'm looking so, forward yeah. to when she gets fully vaxxed up, and then we can, I don't know, leave the house, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> it's overrated. <laughs> yeah, I've been outside before. It doesn't have internet for the most part. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't think we have too much else to say about any other random matter. I, uh, I, think I can ramble can... about lots of stuff, but oh, people... I, I know you can. Yeah. I know you can, but I'll just exit it out. So, I mean, really, just wasting my time. <laughs> and that's my job. Let's waste everybody else's time by talking about a comic book. Perfect. <laughs> Jeff, give us a two sentence replay of last episode. A girl falls off of a building in an apparent suicide attempt, but it is actually Julie Power falling off the No Powers wagon while she is on the phone with her No Power support group sponsors, who decide to have a failed intervention at their next Ignore the End of the Last Story arc meeting, where everyone talks about how being a teenage superhero ruined their lives. Half the support group then also falls off the wagon when Spider-Woman, uh, no, not that one, a different one convinces Darkhawk to suit up with her and go and take out a mutant growth hormone drug lab that has popped up on the West Coast that had previously kidnapped her and previously smeared Darkhawk's reputation while Ricochet sneakily tags along to save their quickly dunked on bacon from Necra, who was on site making some bank by selling her blood. Now that the... Uh, this run seems to be about addiction and the lengths that people will go to to justify their actions. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Those were some run on sentences. Yeah, I do those sometimes. Oftentimes, sometimes. all the time. Oftentimes, all the most time. of the time. There's most it, there's time. a lot there's a lot to recap in two sentences. My yeah. self-imposed limitations. I work around very hard by cheating as much as possible. I would have just said the loners are back. And this time, they are not going to not use their powers. <laughs> Ignore the last story arc. We're back to feeling bad about ourselves. Okay, let's go ahead and reach in that bag of yours. And let's talk about this week's beer. And I think you and I are on the same track, my friend. Okay. So why don't you reach on in there and tell the people what beer I got you. Let's find out. It is, ooh, crisp, spicy, floral. It is Away Days, Good Days, Czech Pilsner. 
Wow, that is a big top circus tent kind of thing. It's pink, gray, pink, gray, pink, gray, black, gray, pink, gray, pink. Apparently away days brewing, and I'm going to assume it's called good days. They're either ahead of us or behind us, so... <laughs> <laughs> and we're we're talking about a book that's got a cover of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, and yeah. this, is, this beer is talking about good days, and we're about to talk about a book where nobody has a good day. Yeah, really nobody. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. Nobody has a good day. Yeah, nobody. Nobody, nobody. does. Nobody. Nah, I just want to I wanted to go ahead and with the uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I found something with day in it twice. So nice. why not? Perfect. Plus, it's a Czech Pilsner at 5.2% ABV. It is built on Bohemian malt and a considerable amount of Saz hops. So, yeah, uh, a little Pilsner. Hmm, I'm trying to decide if that even smells like anything. It smells like I just poured this all over myself. Perfect. I think that this smells a little bit like a malt. Hmm. It's kind of got fake banana notes to it, too, in the nose. It's like somebody passed a handful of runts near me. It does have the bohemian malt, so that's mm. why I'm smelling. But I'm thinking a lager, you know? It smells very mild. It looks like a beer. Yeah. I mean, this looks like the most beer of beer of beer. Yeah. It's that golden yellow color with the foamy top, the white, clear, foamy top. I, I have never poured a beer that looks exactly like a beer. Before. Yeah, this you look at it and you go, oh, is that a beer? Because that looks like a beer. This is your generic movie prop beer yeah. is what it really yeah, yeah, looks yeah. like while still being alcoholic. Taste on it is pleasant. It's not bad. It's not bad. There's a, there's it's not a, amazing, there's a, but it's not bad. It's real mild. There's a little bit of a bitter note mm -hmm. at the back. The Pilsner, that's what the Pilsner is. It's it's the hops as well. Yeah. It, it um, is a rolling kind of low-rate bitter. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of, it's like, you know how you like walk into a basement that hasn't been, you know, you haven't been in it for a while and you kind of go in, you go, yeah, it's got a little funk to it. That's kind of this flavor on the tongue. It's okay. just sort of a, it's not terrible, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, there's something there. It's not bad. It, it, it's got a sharpness to it, which is fine. I, I'm more like the sweet than the bitter, mm -hmm. but it's fine. It's not offensive. It's mm. just, there's a sharp, bitter hit at the back. Yeah. Other than that, it's pretty smooth. It's very cool. It's very refreshing. Yeah. Normally, I try and give a bunch of taste notes and everything, but right now I'm just kind of like, no. yeah, it is. There is no taste notes on yeah. this. I'm not even getting the malt. A little bitter, a little pilsnery. That's yeah. uh, what it is. Yeah, for a Czech pilsner, it's it's not extraordinary. There's nothing no. fantastic about it, but it's... Yeah, there's nothing really stand out about it. And I think that might, I don't know, give it the hour, we'll see. But it's probably going to reflect averagely on it at the end of the yeah, show. Yeah, it's, it's a straight-up average beer, but it's not... It's hard to really ding it too much for that because... It's what it is. Here you go. Here's a beer. I want a beer. Yep. Here's a beer for Here, you. Here, have a beer. What is it? It's a beer. Yeah, and there a you Czech go. Pilsner, it's fine. Yeah, um, it it checks the box of being a beer. Yeah. I, I'd like to talk more about it, but... Yeah, there's nothing really yeah, to say. I think we've yeah. probably gone on too long about it already. I think we should go to the credits. We could do that by reading The Loners, issue number two, July 2007. Reflex Actions. Credits, writer, C.B. Sabolsky. Artist, Carl Maline. Colorist, Christina Strain. Letterer, V.C.'s Russ Wooten. Cover artist, Jason Pearson. Assistant editor, Molly Laser. Editor, Bill Roseman. Executive editor, Tom Brevoort. Editor-in-chief, Joe Casada. Publisher, Dan Buckley. Featuring the loners, Lightspeed, Darkhawk, Green Goblin, Ricochet, Turbo, and Spider-Woman. Los Angeles, 
It is a town for the pretty, the rich, and the fast. This is the fantasy life, and you have to live it up big. Live big, live fast, die young. You have to be seen, you have to be known. That is the coin of this town. What? In the name of Holy Stanley, are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm setting the scene, you know. A gritty bright lights, big city meets noir. Young kid on his own, making it in the big city. Selling the hot rock and roll lifestyle, just like in the comic. Yeah, but that all fades into Johnny standing in his dirty apartment, pretending to be Slash using a Guitar Hero guitar while in his underwear. No, oh, the life of a rock god is not always glamorous. This dude is so far from a rock god, he does not even warrant a pebble status. <laughs> yeah, our boy is a wee bit in the dumps. The one thing that made him special and defined his life were his powers. Now he's trying to not use them. That's hard, because as we saw in the last issue, he keeps finding these situations where he's got to. Yeah, he is really doing the heavy navel-gazing here. Mostly, this navel-gazing is ending up with him just kind of staring at his Deadpool underwear. We see from a computer article he is reading that the barely clad villain that they fought last issue was arrested by S.H.I.E.L.D. and the authorities are looking for the heroes responsible for her duel. So, deep questions. How can you have powers and not help? Is it like a drug that the more you use it, the more you want to use it? Is a hot dog a sandwich? And is cereal a soup? These are the questions that need answering. I mean, we could answer these questions or sit in this squalid apartment and get depressed with Johnny. Or we can meet at an Irish pub and get depressed with Johnny, Chris, and Maddie. Ooh, I like drinking at Irish bars, so let's go do that. Johnny has called them together to tell them that he is going to tell the rest of the group the deeds that they have done. Way to kill the mood, brother. I mean, really? Chris and Maddie want to wait and pretend to be amateur detectives, because they are so good at this heroing thing. These two geniuses have a lot of excuses for not coming forward now, but really, they just do not trust the rest of the team. This is something that they feel that they need to do alone. This feels like one of those stages of denial things that a therapist should tell me about. You think? Johnny makes a cutting remark about these excuses and how he mistook Maddie as someone that cared about what happened to people in peril. Heck, he was even fooled by her MGH sob story. This was obviously a lie to get an ex-hero or two to help her on her vendetta tour. This causes Maddie to snap at him. And by snap, I mean jump across the table, grab him by the shirt, and start screaming her head off at him until Chris pulls her off him while giving him the old stink eye. Well, it is an Irish pub, so physical violence and emotional interpersonal interactions are to be expected. Yeah, between her less than cool attitude and Chris's dark hawk anger, these are the two I want to do sneak investigating. Maddie's issue, well, one of Maddie's issues is that she thinks Johnny is doing this to impress Julie so that she would want to have a camp sleepaway adventure with him. Wait, Johnny likes Julie? Wow. This is shocking news that we in no way have talked about before. Yeah, Maddie runs out and Chris asks if this is true. After some non-answers and what do you thinks, Chris tells Johnny to keep his mouth shut and then he leaves too. How to keep friends and influence people. Right? Anyway, later that evening, the meeting at the church basement is pretty frosty. 
Phil notices this, and he decides to open up the meeting by talking about the mysterious heroes that defeated Necra the papers are reporting on. He explains that this is a moment for them to reach out to help others and convince them to resist the temptation to be a hero as well. Okay, okay, wait. He wants them not to be heroes, but to be heroes to other heroes by not being heroes anymore? If I wasn't up to date with this storyline, I would need a minute to parse this. It really does not work on a business card, does it? No, it doesn't. But moving on, Phil asked Johnny to go first today. Well, awkward and predictable, thy name is plot pacing. Now it's time to really make this gloomy Gus inflection story sewer dark. Johnny starts by saying that he needs to make a confession. Ooh, this wakes up the pucker pupils on Chris and Maddie for sure. A confession that he hates his life right now. <sighs> Same. Same, man. But probably for different reasons. I just have had a really painful splinter in my finger that I can't get out. And unlike the sad sack un-superheroes and their unsupported friends who have, uh, what's the word? Deep-rooted issues and untreated psychological problems that don't seem to be getting resolved by talking to an X-Green Goblin. Well, yeah, that. Johnny admits that he is not made for the normal life. That he does not want to hide or suppress who he is. The reason he tried to go down this path of self-resistance is to deal with him getting his friend killed. Okay, our uh, little comedy show is getting kind of dark. Man, do you remember back in the day when we would just make with the teehees and do a funny little parody song? I do remember back in the day. And that is why we are going to do a little bit of ricochet history. Johnny had a best friend named Eddie McDonough, a.k.a. The Hornet. They were on the same team and continued to pal around after the Slingers broke up. Eddie loved being a hero. He even made Johnny's ricochet discs for him. Which is why Johnny has been getting all weepy every time he stares at one, all self-reflectively in this issue. Right. Well, while Eddie was into the costumes and the heroing for the good deeds, Johnny was into it for the groupies and the ladies. He loved to party, have fun, and really did not care that much about helping others. Johnny loved the glory and the attention it brought. And when people stopped paying attention, he really stopped caring. Eddie tried to pull him into the true meaning of superhero Christmas on more than one occasion, but Johnny repeatedly blew him off. One night, Eddie desperately asked Johnny to help him out, be part of something that would make them A-listers again. But Johnny, once again, passed. On his own, Hornet attempted to stop a Hydra attack on Stark Industries and ran into a brainwashed Wolverine. Oh, uh-oh. Oh, no. Yeah. Guess who got a front row seat at the he's the best there is at what he does and what he does isn't very nice show. Now, I'm not too sure how Ricochet could have stopped or prevented this without being Hornets plus one at the pearly gates, but the kid took the death of his friend hard. And he still does. With the temperature of the room switched from cold to utterly depressed and sad, Johnny continues and says that he came out here to start over. And he was happy that he found others that were trying to put the past behind them. A support group. But then, all that business with the runaways happened, and he remembered that he liked this unfettered life, and that he was good at it. Uh, grading on a curve, that is. But now everyone in this basement has retreated from being who and what they are, and he does not know if that is the right course of action for them to have taken. The world is changing, and they have abilities that could help it change in better ways. In fact, he feels so passionate, he walks out of the support group meeting. Okay, is, uh, is that the thing? Do they all need to dramatically walk out after speaking? Because it seems like that's what they've been doing. Mickey jumps up to stop him from leaving, but Julie stops her by grabbing her arm and playing Peacemaker. 
Do you really wanna, do you really want a hero? And wear a super suit. Do you really, do you really want a hero? Gotta catch yourself some crooks. Did you really, really have to do the dance? And that's not actually the kind of peacemaker that she played. Well, what she did do was say that they needed to let Johnny go so that he can blow off some steam. Just like she did when she jumped off a building last week. Later that night. Home of the night fighting, not hero. Johnny is back at home, examining a throwing disc again. And his room, and his life, and his computer monitor. Crash. And his former computer monitor. I mean, yeah, I am sure you feel better, Johnny. But that is not going to erase your browser history. Unless you've got some kind of incognito discs. I really don't know what tech he has access to. Emo boy then grabs his costume, drives off, and makes some phone calls. First up is Maddie, who ghosts him, because she is not accepting apologies at this moment. Huh. Well, my lack of love for her is falling fast. She feels that she is owed an apology? Bloop. Next is Chris, who would have answered the call if the timing had been just a little better. You see, he had just rang Mickey's doorbell, because they are dating. Of course they are. It makes perfect sense that they would be, given their violent history together. A kiss greeting and they start walking to the car. Mickey asks Chris if he has heard from Johnny, and Chris lies, saying that he is not. I mean, I guess it would be awkward to say that he just called, let me call him right back, and see if an awkward conversation can interfere with our date night. Right. Instead, he just calls him by his code name and says that he's a big boy that can handle himself, which uh, Mickey picks up on. Well, with no love from the, I want to call them friends, I guess, Johnny decides to check out a location from the info they stole from the lab during last issue. And unlike the smash and hero entrance we saw last time, this is smooth. Yeah. Stealth Kid hops the fence, then does a rolling leap tumble up to the roof, pops open a skylight, and quietly bounces to the floor. Like I said, S-M quadruple O-T-H. Now that he is inside, he finds a strange and eerie scene. There are numerous women suspended in water capsules, like Luke Skywalker was in Empire. Except Ricochet is not on Hoth. Uh, n n no, he he's not. Good, because it's really cold there, and Ricochet's coat looks more like style over substance. And I don't want my best boy getting the chills. <laughs> okay. Well, as he is snooping, a tough young lady holding two swords surprises him and calls him partner. Okay. Now, this is confusing to me and Ricochet. Let me help you out. This is Delilah, and she is an assassin. Previously, she had been working with Spider-Man to take down a bad guy. Only Spider-Man was in disguise, dressed as Ricochet. Oh, well, if they were working together, why is she attacking Ricochet now? Probably has something to do with her being beat up and bled out by two other bad guys, and then being left to be arrested by the cop during their last meeting. Ah, and poor Johnny is playing Ash Catch-Em-Up. Delilah had heard a ricochet resurfaced on the West Coast, so she came out to hunt him down. Johnny starts to put this together and tries to convince her that he is not the droid that she is looking for. Kicks and flips and blades are all thrown alongside with the arguments. Johnny finally realizes that the talking part of the fight is not getting anybody anywhere, so he unleashes his discs, sending a barrage down range, including a couple bouncing off one of the glass cylinders. Drink! How good is Delilah? She evades and sword blocks all of the discs. But how good is Johnny? He takes her on the jaw with a Sagat Tigrany during her momentary distraction of dodging a ricocheting ricochet disc. Crack. 
Now that the bad guy is down, we can talk about actions and consequences. We did mention Johnny bouncing the metal discs against giant glass cylinders earlier, right? Splish. That would be the liquid pouring out of one of those now broken cylinders and stepping out of the shards of the mess is a red-hued creature with sharp spiky hair and long sharp nails. Oh, hey, look, it's hollow. Who the heck is that? Let's just kick that tidbit of trivia to the next issue, okay? Okay, to be continued. But now, we are going to continue our conversation about the cover of the issue. Once again, this is done by Jason Pearson. And this time, like we have said, it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So how does this cover fit with the book or fit with Johnny? Johnny is not Ferris Bueller. <laughs> no. But I could argue that he, he aspires to be Ferris Bueller. He wants to be that cool. Mm -hmm. He wants to be that kind of quieter, mysterious guy that is just, that has all the friends, that 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 has all the party. All it the name like, recognition, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like that was his life at one time. Mm -hmm. He was that character, or at least was in his mind. But now he's kind of like the anti, he, he's not that character. Not to say that you can't still see the shades of it, but he just is not, he's not getting the love that Ferris Bueller got. He might be what Ferris Bueller would be when Ferris Bueller leaves his hometown to go away to college. Gonna be the big man on campus. Gonna be, gonna, hello, anyone? I would actually say that Ferris Bueller, and, and I'm sure there's arguments for this for and against, but I'd say that college would still be okay. Yeah, for no, Ferris, college Ferris would be great for I Ferris. I think that it's when he gets out into the real world, that's where... Potentially, yes, potentially. but also potentially no, because yeah. he is gonna have so many contacts. If it's not his town, though. If it's yeah, if it's not his town, but even then, potentially, it's like, oh hey, my nephew says great things about you. Welcome to <laughs> Fortune Club or whatever. Hey, he is the uh, sausage king of Chicago. So uh, <laughs> we also do get a little bit, a little bit of again of the mirror of Ferris Bueller. It's a loner issue. It's it does focus just on Johnny. Yeah, it's a ricochet um, episode. Yeah, it's not bad. I, I like. The comparison, it's enough of a comparison that I can see it, even if, you know, may not have been entirely known or wanted or that was where they were going with it. It is close enough. You can see the little overtures, but it's not so much him going out and having the fun Ferris adventures and picking up his girlfriend and hanging out with his buddy. It's more along the lines of there's a girl that he likes, but... He, you know he hasn't moved on to any of that and then another girl is mean to him and then his buddy is dark hawk which is just you shouldn't do that so <laughs> no, other than that i like the cover they do a nice thing yeah. by having the loners day off so you get the more of the yeah the hint that this oh, is yeah, ferris yeah. day off i will say this though on its own unless you really know that that's ricochet it looks like a dead guy i can see that yeah it is uh it did take me a little bit. You just have his face, and he's even wearing his gloves, and so it's very, very pale. Yeah, it, it's it's a corpse in a leather jacket. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there's no irises, and it's really dark around the eyes themselves. It, it unless you know this is ricochet. It's like why is there a corpse on the cover looking like <laughs> oh, Matthew Broderick? Or, I, I don't get or it. Why is this mistakenly written as the loners when this is the chameleon's day off? May I mean, yeah, I guess a little so. bit. I'm just going off of the pale, kind of featureless face, kind of a thing. But yeah, it's yeah, it's a good cover. It's neat. This is a wafting of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but except instead of going and having fun, it's being sad and depressed. He does self monologue to himself and go have an adventure, but still, 
<laughs> Inside the book, we have a lot more on this ongoing conversation about what it is to be in recovery, what it is to, you know, why are these people here? Why are these people going through this? And we had conversation last time about, you know, Ricochet is one of the ones who he is constantly in power. His power is really there. Yeah. He's holding up a pen, flipping it through his fingers. He's using his powers. He's balancing discs on his fingers. He, yeah, it's... He, he's got a bit of a spider sense, so he's going to know if somebody comes and tries to punch him in the back of the head. His powers are always active, but he's still in recovery. Why is he in recovery? Why is he willing to walk away from doing what he's done? And that is, you know, he's got this weight on him about his death of his friend. He was negligent in his duty. He didn't... He liked it for the the flash, the style, the the fun of being an A-list superhero. And then when it went away, it's like, oh, I'm kind of bored. I'm going to find the next thing. Mm -hmm. And then he saw his friend die. Yeah, it even says it at the beginning of the book when he's kind of talking about L.A. and his noir little style. L.A. is fast. It is speed. You can tell by the names of the movies that they make, you know, uh, speed, boiling point, whatever. And also the fact, too, it's just like, it's about people that are being seen and they're not looking for what's new, they're looking for what's next. And he goes, I'm, I'm always yeah. that guy. I'm the person looking for what's next. But the thing is, is he's not anymore. He was. Yeah, he was. He came here to reset. Because yeah. he didn't come here to keep that going. If he did, he would try to be out there and doing things. Instead, he has found an insular group. And when he's not with them, he's spending time just staring at his four walls yeah he's got his computer and he's looking at stuff and he's got his xbox up and he's playing guitar hero and he's he has definitely retreated into himself it's like after he kind of dropped yeah. being a hero his friend wanted him to be a hero again it's like come on let's just go out you had fun with it let's go do it you can be a hero and he's just like no it's there's other things to do and it seems like he was kind of doing the slacker life at that point but now he's doing the depressed slacker life where he's just kind of like you know, he has mm -hmm. his, his little manic blips where he's like, yeah, I'm playing Guitar Hero. Yeah, rock out LA, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's just like, but he's still just a guy in his underwear in his front room. It's an interesting story about what happened to his friend Hornet. I, I have not read any of the Slinger stuff. I didn't read that those issues of Wolverine that this this happened with this character. Yeah. I only know Ricochet from this series here. Yeah, I couldn't. So I had to go back and do a little bit of reading. Yeah. Other than now knowing about Hornet, I couldn't name another Slinger. It is interesting that they tied that in i like that they tied that part in mm -hmm. i was less happy later on in the book when they brought back delilah i don't know if delilah was needed not overly I really don't no no not overly i don't even know if she's going to play any kind of part in the future in this like if she's then going to join the sport group or something i don't no. think so i think she, this is just a character who is going to pop in and it was the reason why a back to tank got broken is what it really seems like there's a number of other things you could have done to make that happen here's the way that i could have i would have done that where he's like he's in there he's expecting a trap he's like okay it's not a trap no it's a trap it's definitely a trap i knew it ah no it's not but there's a part point where he then sees one of the tanks and he sees that it has the trademark three wolverine claw slash on it oh this is getting a little too close because wolverine eddie die all that this same setup mm -hmm. It could have been something like where he just, you know, he like sees that, walks up to it and just like not even thinking about what's in the tank or anything. And he like touches the claws like as kind of a connection to his friend Eddie. And then it could have been the, that could have been just enough to make the, the tank go crick, crack, crack. And then you could have had a hollow fallout. Anything. You could have done any number of things. I would have even done something else of a security guard yeah. coming in. And he ricochets off his disc off of one of the tanks, off of the wall. 
knocks out the security guard, Go. checks on him, he's okay, and then all of a sudden, crack, crack, crack. Oh, yeah. maybe I shouldn't have hit the one with the three claw marks. That could have worked, it. yeah. Or security guard comes out and goes, yeah, bang, 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 and tank breaks. Anything, yeah. The only reason I think that Delilah was there was to have a fight. There's no fight in this book. No. And if they needed to have some kind of fight, they wanted to introduce it, but it just doesn't fit because I don't care. Yeah. And besides, we've already we we have one going back to his past. That's actually more of his past. Delilah mm-hmm. is part of somebody else's past. Yeah, is after somebody else's past, and she has gone all the way across country to follow up with him, and there's nothing that comes from it. Mm-hmm. I, it's the one part that I found to be very, very weak. Yeah, it was a little jarring, especially when it's just like, I knew you were going to be here, partner. And it's like, how would you know anything? How? Why? Right, right. This is yeah. this is a nothing. Yeah, they got the information of the lab from the lab that they got. This Delilah would, should have no idea right. about it. Yeah, it's, it's just like she pops up yeah. to have the fight, like you had said. Sure. <laughs> but they had to get that Sagat Tiger knee in there, which was pretty great. Whatever. I did think that was an interesting parallel at the end when Johnny does go solo. Mm-hmm. He had just talked to his friends about how his best friend died. Yeah. Doing a solo mission, trying to trying to do the thing that's going to get them in. In part of it, but also to do the right thing. To do the right thing and to get yeah. their name on there. But you, he calls up... I think I think Eddie was talking, wanted to go do the right thing, and I think he talked to uh, Johnny in the language that he would understand, which is like, you you can be on top again. Come help me do the right thing, and you can you can be an A-lister. Come on, we can do the right thing right. for fame. Come on. He was just desperately... Because he said that Eddie even called him with like desperation in his voice. But we see Johnny going through the same thing, where he tries to call his friends. Hey, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do this. He's trying to call them either to talk to them, to tell them he's doing this, something. They ghost him. They don't talk to him. And he goes through with it. Yeah. This is a suicide mission. Potentially. I, he doesn't it, know. I mean, well, he doesn't know. He thinks he can handle it. But in the back of his head, since he just told the story, there's part of it that also is he's either going there, hoping to relive it, hoping to avenge his friend by having a successful mission by himself, or he just is giving up. I mean, th- this goes into a lot of other psychological problems mm-hmm. that the guy's got and, and goes into some of the themes of this book. Hey, you're in recovery. This is one of those turning points for you that you should reach out to your friends. You should have these conversations. You shouldn't be doing this on your own. Yeah. This is how you fall back into the addiction you have. He needs friends that he could actually safely fall back on and everything. If only, if only there were... Other people he could have called. Yeah, or talked to. Except he was keeping the secret that was being forced on him to keep. And yet, at the same time, it, 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 didn't, it didn't seem like he really cared that much. Not, it seemed like I, he could let that secret go. He could, and I think, honestly, I think he should have. He he has kind of given up. He walked out of the group. He's like, screw it. I'm putting the suit back on. I'm going to go do a hero thing. I'll contact the people that might maybe care if I live or die about this thing that they seem to care about. But then even after, you know, he gets ghosted by his friends uh, and he's standing outside of the facility, he, he, you know, he's even looking and he's like, looks like I'm doing this alone. Serves me right. Now I know how porn it felt. And this is still another piece of that recovery aspect as well. How do you handle these times of stress? And we're seeing that he handles those times of stress badly. He makes the wrong decisions. Um, I, I mean, not being an expert mm-hmm. on yeah. recovery, I, I will say this, but I'm going to go ahead on a limb and say there's no sponsor in the world that says, you know what, go and face those demons by yourself. Yeah, <laughs> That's why you have a sponsor, because you need somebody to tell you that you can do it on your own. 
Right. That's what sponsors are there for, I assume. I don't know. I think they're to tell you to, hey, sponsor, I'm feeling pretty bad about myself. What should I do? Well, you should pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go do it on your own. Stop calling me. Click. He is depressed. He has walked away. Julie had even said to uh, Turbo when she was trying to stop him from leaving the meeting, it was like, hey, take it from the girl who just fell off of the building uh, last week. Sometimes you need to fall down a little bit to, to get back up. And so I could see this as kind of a falling down to get back up, but the hope would be he's going to get, you know, this fall down isn't going to hurt him and he's going to get back up and maybe become the person who he's actually supposed to be and uh, not leave himself of the guilt with his friend, but to grow from it and to become a better person and become a hero. And maybe, maybe reverse support group, the support group and get them to realize that being a hero is better than being sad about being a hero. But I, I, again, not an expert in psychology at all. And no. uh, anything I say here is just a uh, almost flippant <laughs> personal opinion that should not be measured or treasured in any stretch of the imagination. We have two more people. We had Necra that showed up last issue and she apparently is getting arrested and going bye-bye. Yep. We have Delilah come in for a hot second and now we have Hollow. Yes. Which is... I guess we can get into her a bit more later yeah, on. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cover uh, her next week. I'm sure I'm yeah. sure that they will... I don't think she's going away. I think that she's going to be sticking around. She's not going yeah, away. Yeah, so... But it, we, we, we keep getting more people here, and we aren't... I don't think we're using the people in the group mm, enough. No, no, we're Although, not. I like seeing more about Ricochet. I think he's one of the better characters, and so I don't mind seeing that. Yeah, I'm but, kind of okay with it being Ricochet and the supporting cast. I think you know, well, at least for this one for this one but I think but no I'm interested in uh Johnny and you know what he yeah. what his past is where he's going his his journey and his story <laughs> I hate to say it he's one of the few characters in here that I have like an empathy towards yeah I, I can go with you mm-hmm. I can go with him do you have any empathy towards the final thoughts what are those <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about some of the final thoughts, starting with our gallery of greatness. We have this nearly empty basement of a church that we are meeting in, and we need to put some art up on these walls. I mean, we need something to boost our spirits. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the stuff we've got. Do you have a good backup joke one that you'd like to talk to the good listeners out there about? I do have a good backup joke one for the good listeners out there, and it is on page... 18 and i call it this is a a joke right (laughs) because that would be chris and mickey giving each other a big old smooch on her front step because they're dating now and that's got to be a joke right because that doesn't seem like a good fit and also do you remember in the runaways when they were trying to kill each other (laughs) remember when they were terrible the best love comes out of fighting. Mm. I, I've heard. Mm. I've I, not not here. Besides that piece, I do see them together. I don't see her with Phil. Oh no, I, nobody I just, should be. No, with Phil. no, I don't see her with Phil. Definitely not with Johnny. No. If she's gonna hook up with somebody, Chris is the best option. And I, Chris, he's not gonna fall for just anybody. I think he needs somebody who is going to challenge him. Yeah. And that's gonna be Mickey. Yeah. So. I do see these two together. It does make sense for me. Okay. I, 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 I can see it. I don't see the joke. I, it's not funny to okay. me. It's not funny to me. It's, it's not funny to, to me, me either, Rick. <laughs> it's not funny to me either. That's why I had to bring it up as a joke because this, this is a joke, right? Because I'm against it. 
no dancing in my town. Uh, well, it's a relationship. I, I could I can understand why it would be a relationship that could work. They're two strong personalities with similar power set suits. So I could see it. They're both attractive people. Also, Chris is a hunk, but I like Mickey and I don't like Chris. So <laughs> Okay, fine. Fine. Well, let's go ahead and go to I think it's page eight. This doesn't have any uh, numbers on it, and I don't want to look it up. <laughs> I think it's eight. It's the last page where they're at the Irish pub, and I call this sad plate. Oh. And Johnny is Johnny is sad, and he's looking down, and he's seeing his sad face in the back of his disc, and it's a sad plate on the table. Yeah, that's page <laughs> ten on uh, Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, I'm sad because of all the food that was left on the table. That's full beverages and full burgers that have been knocked around. I'm like, oh, I'm going to need three to-go boxes, please. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a poor guy here. Yeah, I'm no, a poor guy. No, he's just looking at this sad little plate. I'm, I'm, I'm sad. I'm sad. He sad self-reflects boy. a bunch, and it's literally self-reflecting because he's holding in, holding up his discs and looking at himself a lot. And it's showing the kind of yeah. the warped features and everything in his rounded disc. So, yeah, it, it's, it's showing his distorted sense yeah. of self. I just came up with that. I'm very clever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have for your uh, top joke one, sir? My top joke one is on page 12, and I call it confession time. And this is where they're in the sport group, and Johnny's saying, I have a confession to make. And in the background, Chris and Maddie have the biggest ah! eyes going on, like, don't tell the teacher. And it made me laugh because they are like, oh, I guess he's going to do the thing that we threatened him to not do, but he's going to do it. We're going to get yelled at by the teacher and we're going to be in trouble. And I thought it was funny to see them actually being something other than abrasive about it, but being like actually scared about it. How about you? Yeah. Oh, no, we're going to get kicked out of the group. (laughs) We're going to get a talking to. My top joke one is on the, uh, was it, second, third page of this book. And it's the big old splash page that with that has the title of the book and it's got all of the credits. Mm. And I call it, I am a rock god. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Johnny with the devil horns out. And he's looking all bad. He's got this light behind him. He's wearing, a, you know, just a, a good old grungy <laughs> shirt. And then you look like, oh, that that's not a guitar. That's a, that's a. Guitar Hero guitar. Yep. Yeah. That's on page four, and I call it Guitar Hero because it's my number one pick. I think that's my, that's my top piece of art. I loved it. <laughs> loved it, loved it, loved it. I that's my top art. Guy. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I thought I thought it was funny. I found some other art that I really liked. I'll go ahead and just go to my backup Yeah, hit your backup good one. And, yeah, my backup good one is, uh, th- this is in the midst of his story, so he's doing his background story. And this is at the top of the page, and this is where we see the dynamic oh, duo yeah, that's of a good one. Ricochet and Hornet. It, it's a small shot. They're kind of flying at you. Ricochet's thrown one of his discs, and that's kind of front and center. But it's it's a very good shot. Uh, it almost reminds me just a little bit of The Wrong Earth, which is an Ahoy comic. Hornet's <laughs> The Hornet's suit actually looks like the main character's suit in that it's a little kind of weird, but no, I, I do like that one. I like that one a lot. There is a lot of neat art in this in small mm-hmm. panels. There is a lot of small, just like the filler panels where it's a, the, the art might be a little bit rougher, but it looks really nice. And there's a lot of those in there where it's like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. And, and it's all just like, mm-hmm. we're just trying to establish some things. Here's panels for you to look at while we're talking. Because there's a lot of talking in here, self-reflection. Yeah. So There is mm-hmm. a lot. 
What is your backup good art, sir? On page 23, it's a splash page, and I call it, A New Player Has Entered the Game. <laughs> it's hollow. It's just a big splash page of hollow, and I think it looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hollow is very impressive. We got the red, the spiky, a lot of good shadows in there. Mm -hmm. Stepping out of the uh, shards and broken glasses of this green glass vial thing that she was in. It's very cool looking. It's very, very yeah, cool. Yeah, she's kind of hunched, so it's along the lines where it's, you know, she's kind of in like the the tatter, tatter wrap black clothing uh, where, you know, like bits of her ex are exposed and she's got that kind of hunched look with the very long kind of scary looking claws and everything. So it's like, uh, don't know which direction this is going to go, but it might be a bigger, it might be a big fight issue next round. But yeah. I'm thinking it's not going to be because that doesn't seem to be this comic. They're going to have big talkies. <laughs> big talkies, big feels. Big feels. Let's talk about my top good art. And that is what I call good flips. And this is where ricochet is heading into this lab oh yeah it's good and it's a great shot where he's running across the yard and jumping up on top of this building and it's all in one panel mm -hmm. and we see one two three four five six seven eight eight shadow silhouettes of ricochet as he's doing this flip jump combination thing it's one of those things that for somebody like him, for somebody like Spider-Man, it shows their power yeah. and how cool their power how is. How quick and acrobatic and... And I really, really appreciate it, though. Let's talk a bit about rubber and glue moments. What is the best or most childish insult in the book? Jeff, what do you got? My backup rubber and glue one is on page eight, and it's when uh, Chris and Maddie and Johnny are at Molly's Irish Par. Hey, Johnny, why why'd you invite us to get together? Why did you want to talk to us before the meeting? And Maddie's just all, he's just hot for that cute breadhead owner of this joint. Chris is all, Molly, is that it, Jay? You didn't want to come alone and look like a loser? It's uh, just like, uh, yeah. That was my same backup <laughs> one, too. Did not want to come alone and look and like look a like loser. look like a loser. Yeah, it just cracked me up because it's just kind of like Chris, being his super supportive self, is just like, oh, you want you wanted people to make it look like you had friends and that you were cool. And you didn't you just didn't want to be a loser because you wanted us here to build you up, you loser. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you yep. suck bag, you. <laughs> I had the same, same one. I, I thought that was a very good one. Come alone and look like a loser. It's simple. It's elegant and it just is cutting. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's <laughs> absolutely it's cutting. cutting and insulting and very childish. And you know, since that was my backup one, let me go ahead and tell you my top one. And I'm wondering if this is the same one that you've got because it's just a page or two in the future. And this is after Maddie has had enough. She jumps across the table and says, "How dare you!" And she's yelling at him and she says, "You've got some nerve, you sanctimonious son of a." That's enough, Maddie. Sanctimonious son of. We can only guess what she was going to say in that moment before she was cut off. Son, son of your parents. Son of your parents. Yeah. But sanctimonious son of a. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. Did you have something else that's different than that? Uh, I actually did. And it's a lot less childish and a lot less kind of rubber and gluey, but it was just something that I, I really liked. Uh, and it was the page before. It was on page seven. It's Johnny when he's being self-reflective and talking to himself. And he says, sometimes our inner demons get the better of us. Sometimes our powers become an addiction. It's a bitter pill to swallow. So we sit in these meetings and say what we think we want to hear just to make it easier to look at ourselves in the mirror when the masks come off. And... I know, I know it's not childish yeah. or rubber and gluey, but I just like the fact that it's it's very it's it's cutting and it's true and it's introspective and I and I just really like that. 
this is a very talky book, and there's a lot that's that's to say there. I, I don't know if we like it or don't like it yet. I, I'm not sure where we're going to land on the entire series, but I will say that there's some good theories, there's some good discussion in here. There's some good themes that this thing has, and I, I really appreciate it for that. Yeah, it is... I'm liking it for the fact that it's doing it, but I don't know if it's what I want kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it's, yeah, I, th- I, I think, it, I think it's doing it fairly well, but I don't know if, it, like I said, if it's, if it's a thing that I wanted to be dipping my reading time into. So, <laughs> well, we are going to have to, are. because we are here. Yep. Most popular and most shunned in any group of people. You got the people who are leading the team. You know, it's an ensemble, but you got the people who everybody likes right then. And then you also have those people who are bringing the group down. You know, that the guy that's wearing all black back there, really getting his brood on. That guy, that guy at the bar that's alone and a loser. Don't talk about me like that, but <laughs> let's talk about the most popular, the most shunned. Who is the worst in this issue? Jeff, who do you have for the worst? Oh, man, it is a... Uh, we got two runners-up, and they're the two people that were uh, featured the most in it, other than uh, Ricochet. It's a close race for me, but I'm going to have to give it to the classic choice of Chris Darkhawk. Really, yeah. I had I had written down Maddie for you. Maddie, but I will change it to Chris. It, it was it was back and forth. Maddie is terrible, but Maddie was consistently terrible. Chris was also consistently terrible, but also enabling Maddie's being terrible, and then also being asked point blank from his assumed girlfriend Turbo, "Hey, I'm worried about Johnny. Maybe we should go see him or something. Have you heard from him at all?" If that's not the conversation started right there where you could then go, yeah, in fact, he's just called me, but we're going on a date and I didn't want him to ruin this. The, the picture, it's there. Yeah. So the fact that he then even took that opportunity and flushed it away angered me uh, a lot. So Maddie was a baseline where Chris just kept on picking, picking, picking up. See, and, and, it came to that last phone call piece for me, too, except I went the other way, and I thought that Maddie was just so childish by saying, no, I'm not going to pick up the phone. I'm You aren't getting an apology from me. I don't want to hear an apology from you today. I, just, I didn't like no. it. Chris I, could, Chris, I could go with in saying, he's busy. He's doing something else. And Maddie was busy and doing I, something I, else too. She was researching the. No, uh, was, she was looking Ma- at the files. Maddie was sitting there. She was trying to figure out her clues that were put in front of her. Nah, I, I, I went the different direction. I thought Maddie was way too childish. Okay. I, Both are great I, choices in my opinion. So yeah. I think we already know that. I think we're going to say that Johnny is the best in this one. We probably both agree on that. It was his story. Yep. That doesn't always mean that we're going to go with the person. True. But it was good. Yeah, it was good. It was a very good story. Mm-hmm. For a big part of it, too, was because he was honest with himself. He was yeah. honest with himself, and he was honest with others. Hey, yeah. Rick, uh, we did a secret thing. Uh, I think we, we need to tell the group. I'm going to tell the group about it. No, don't do it. Okay, I, I won't I don't I'll really hold your think, secret. I don't, we, we, can't, we can't tell the group about it because we're going to go to jail, man. Yeah, I know. But we've And I and perhaps I've said too much as yeah. it is. <laughs> Let's talk about top grades. We like to evaluate this issue against other issues that feature power pack person and of course we've got the top of the list is still uncanny x-men number 205 wounded wolf with katie helping wolverine halfway down the list we've got the first issue of the series loners number one and the last one we've got 
True Believers, number two, that's where the Runaways hunt down Victor and discover that he's got powers. Where are you feeling this one? Well, let's look at the previous one that had Wolverine in it. So, oh, that's the number one spot called Wounded Wolf. Is this <laughs> this Wolverine issue better than that Wolverine issue? <laughs> uh, no, no I, it's I think not. we can no, go ahead it's and put this down. down a bit here. But, do, do, do you feel like this is better or worse than the first issue? I think that this is better than the first one. So I was the, the Wolverine one was okay. a joke, but I did want to go. Loner's issue number one was going to be a good choice to kind of look around there. Do we like this better mm-hmm. than Fear of Flying? I think that I do. I think that this is better. I'm not going to go too high. I, I can see that this is better than the next one up on the list, which is Runaways number six. Mm-hmm. And that's where the kids finally defeat Ultron. Mm-hmm. It was a good ending. I think this has got a little bit more. I don't like the end of this book. That's my only biggest problem. When you say the end of this book, do you mean you mean you're meaning this this the issue end where we've or of the this okay, issue gotcha. this issue yeah the, with the, this issue and so I don't think that we can go any higher. Number three on our list is Runaways number five. That's the double twist with Doom and Ultron. Yep. I like that one yes. a lot. I would guess that this would be the new number four. I am a okay with that. I think this that's a, a great spot for it. I really, really do. So that's easy. Okay, it's nice when there's a, a small number <laughs> on the list to try and figure out where it goes. So. It's it's a simple issue. I'm actually kind of surprised because I was I was feeling a little down on this issue, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it it's 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 still a good issue. It's still a good one that we have read. So. It is it All is right. a its own storytelling conventions are its own detriment to make you go like yeah, it's not super doing yeah. it for me. But I've, I've I've read this issue just like back to back like five times now or something, and I'm mm-hmm. not bored of it i'm 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 the same frustrated with it but i'm not like okay yeah okay, okay great i'm done kind of thing it's just like there there is there is some meat on these bones there's some gristle but there's meat there that you can chew on and you can hold on to it for a while which okay. is kind of neat but uh yeah let's talk about the beer then and we have been drinking away days good days check pilsner how are you enjoying your check pilsner i have enjoyed it just nice and averagely. Boy, this sure is a beer. Yeah. It's not bad. No. It's not great. No. It sure is. I don't want to give it a two and a half, which no. is right in the middle of our one to five. I would say it's a good three and a half. I'm give that's kind of where I'm at. I'm at giving it. it a strong three. It is an absolutely fine beer. It is definitely okay. a beer. I have drank it. I would drink it again. <laughs> Please tell me about it. It is a beer that I've had. I'm only giving it the extra half just because it's it's not offensive to me. Yeah. And that 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 keeps that makes me enjoy it just a little that bit more. That does go a long way on some of these. I would I would re-rank yeah. a couple of beers that we've had and just drag them through the dirt. But this one is perfectly acceptable, perfectly fine. It is it's fine. That's what it is. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Done. But you know what? Something else is super, is fine, and in fact, not just fine, but super fine. It would be kids' perspective, and that is where Rick talks to his eleven-year-old daughter Carrie about the issue we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, please take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. We are back with our second loners comic. Are you ready to talk about it? Uh huh. All right. You're already yawning. You're already bored about this one, huh? Okay. This cover. Like I said before, it's based upon a movie. This one is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, okay. 
Yep, you haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's anyway. why it says day off. That's why it says day off, yeah. Yeah. Loner's day off, yeah. Ferris Bueller's day off. It has really nothing to do with day off. Not really. There are some illusions you could aspire to it, but it's a stretch. It's a stretch. Anyways, what is this book about? Who is the main character of this book? Ricochet. Ricochet. Do you like Ricochet? Yeah. Um, why does it look like he had a beard? <laughs> a bit of a beard? I'll admit, he grew himself a little soul patch. It's it's okay. It's a choice. <laughs> okay. Like, you don't like it? Well, I like your beard. It's just... Uh... Aw, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to seeing his beard. Well, he, he ch it's a choice he made. He's a young man living in L.A., trying to be that cool guy in, a, in the early 2000s. Why not? Okay. <laughs> All right. What are some of the things that Ricochet is dealing with? I guess he's dealing with guilt for his past friend. That's right. He is definitely dealing with guilt from his friend dying and him not being there to be with his friend, right? Mm-hmm. Because so I was thinking of the word. His friend and him had a very close connection. They liked doing superheroing together, but then, yeah, he got bored with it, and he wasn't there to help his friend, and his friend died, right? Which leads into an, the question that I have. Why did Wolverine kill him? That is a very good question. Were they bad guys? Was Wolverine a bad guy? Did something happen? What? Wolverine was under a mind control at that point oh. in time. And so Hydra was using him. This guy went into the base to try to be the good guy to stop this. And he ran into a mind control Wolverine and it ended badly for him. Yeah. He was trying to help, right? Yeah, he was trying to help. And um, Ricochet wasn't really thinking that it was going to be... They that it wasn't going to be too bad. It was it wasn't going to be too too big of a deal and it was. Yeah, it was. So that's weighing on him. That's part of the reason why he doesn't want to be in the superhero game anymore, right? Right. Even though that's not being in the superhero game, isn't that what got his friend killed? Yeah, but he wants to get out of the entire thing. Oh. Yeah. Also, the thing between him and Julie, is there something... He's got feelings for Julie. He's okay. got a, He's got a crush on Julie. Well, she is kind of attractive, so... Well, yeah, yeah. And so that's that's a little part of it, but it's not the big thing. No. He's got other... In fact, he never really talks... Everybody else talks about Julie, but his own thoughts are not about Julie. It's about dealing with other things, isn't it? Right, so he has a better way of, like... Choosing the right things to think about, right? Correct. A few things are a bit upsetting for him, though, so... Yeah, yeah. But at least it's not just about a crush, so... He also has issues with keeping secrets, doesn't he? Apparently so. Yeah, he doesn't want to keep what him, Maddie, and Chris are doing a secret, right? Right. And that's not helping him in any of his struggles at all, is it? No, it isn't. What do you think about the dynamics of the group now? Is it even more difficult or there is there a lot of other stuff going on? I feel like there's, since we're now kind of seeing more of what the individual characters think about, it's definitely showing a lot more things, I feel like, about what they're feeling, what, they're, what they don't want <laughs> to happen again in their life like this. Yeah. They're all going through some hard things right now, right? Right. 
and it doesn't help that it would be okay if they were trying to solve an issue using their powers if they were being honest with everybody, right? Right. I guess the last thing we should talk about is, do you think it was a good idea for Johnny to go off by himself at the end? I don't think so, but he did try to call some other people. He tried calling two other people, and they didn't answer, and he decided to be just like his friend. And try and get himself killed. Yeah. That was not a smart idea on his part, no, right? No, it really wasn't. But you can see how he's he's duplicating things that happened in the past. And that sometimes happens. You tend to redo the things that happened before. You should learn from your mistakes, right? Right. Lesson for you. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. All right. Hey, thank you for continuing to read these books. I know it's a little difficult for you, but we'll get through them together, okay? Okay. All right. I love you. Love you, too. Ah, in a way, you took it so very well. Thank you, Carrie, so much for joining us. We always appreciate you being here. Shout out time. We'd like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. This is for episode 103, where we covered Runaways, volume two, number five. And this is where we got a few comments. When Jeff <laughs> mentioned the movie Runaway, we still are getting the comments. <laughs> So Charles Gears, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, Craig McNichol, Hoover Jeremiah, who says, I hate to be that guy, but Ultron made the Vision, not Hank Pym. So Vision is not a precursor to Ultron. Vision is a creation of Ultron. Unsubscribed! He also goes on to say, just kidding, I know this isn't unpacking the power of the Avengers. And in my defense, I don't remember what you're talking about, so I'd either have to go and listen to that again, or we must have obviously uh, said that Vision was created by Hank Pym instead of Ultron, which is, in fact, a, a big mistake. So, yep. In my defense, it's Jeff's fault. Anyways, uh, next yeah. <laughs> is Jeff Polier. Jeremy Daw, who says, slightly off subject, but Jeff referenced Runaway starring Tom Selleck. It's currently on Prime and not a terrible picture. Pretty interesting concepts, a great diapter shot, and it was made by Michael Crichton. Limax7, who also says, I have seen the movie Runaway. I think Gene Simmons did a really good job as the villain, much better than Mick Jagger. Funny thing is that the first time I saw it, when they mentioned Gene Simmons and how good a villain he is, I was thinking Richard Simmons. Moving on, Matthew Birdsey. New Warriors Talk. Sean Meehan. Tim Price, the podcrasher, in his podcast, The Outcasters. Waffles, in his podcast, Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. And Waffles says, my super-powered kids are trapped in a time warp. I'm sure they'll be back any century now. Well, we're hoping for you, Waffles, and for your kids to come back in time. We also like to thank those people that throw us a couple of bucks here and there and help us out on Patreon. You should join them and be just like adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Verrochi. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. 
tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Toddy Knock. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. Please be sure to check out the other shows that we're on. Our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Road Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast and monthly Monday movie muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Podcast Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of a stack of comic books that I just bought today in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick present, our email address, Jeff and Rick present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Volatile Reaction. All music is by Kevin McLeod and Acoptic.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Yeah, he is really doing the heavy nasal game. Navel, not nasal. Staring at his nose, his prominent, prominent nose, his, yep, ricochet nose. Bloop. And he was happy that he found others that were trying to put their past behind them as well. And he found it, no, yeah, blog. Bloop. In fact, he, oh boy. I don't know why they added that part in the comic where he just interrupts his sad monologue with a series of burps, but it's in the book. It's in my book. I penciled it in to cover this part up. Like I said, SM quadruple five OTH. <laughs> and what's that spell? Quadru- OTH. And poor Johnny is playing Ash Ketchum. Ash Ketchum up. Ash Ketchum. It's a Pokemon joke. Bloop. I have a four and a half year old uh, hovering around in my area, so I'm working around her.